Karen, do you have any other words of wisdom? No, I don't. I use all my <laughs> words of wisdom. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> so we don't actually expect groups to meet this week, but we're doing a podcast for... Uh, Mary Mary, quite contrary. Mary Mary, quite contrary. So when writing the message, what was your main hope for Mary and, and people walking away with a point? I, but I, I tried to go from the perspective, you know, if you're questioning, if you don't know, and if you're like, well, that's a weird story in the Bible. Why would anybody think it? It's kind of a nice way to think of if you have doubts, if you have questions, <laughs> those are okay because Mary did too. And we get to Easter, same thing. Mary Magdalene didn't believe it was Jesus at mm-hmm. first. So there, it's it, it's okay to have questions, but the questions need to be asked the correct way. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. This is Elements Leading Together podcast. And I am here as always with Jen and Judy. And we are talking about Mary, not just Mary. No. Mary, Mary. Mary, Mary. The Mary. Not to be confused with the other Mary. That's right. right. (laughs) That's right. We'll call this our Christmas episode of of this podcast. All right. So what was it like revisiting this story, especially in the context of the series? What I loved about Mary was that here she was, this young woman, and the angel comes to tell her what's going to happen with her, and she what was the word? She was very discerning at Mm. that young age. Yeah. Verse 29, Luke chapter one says that she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. That'd be pretty alarming. Yeah. But the, even the greatly troubled shows she is human. Yeah. One thing to be scared by an angel, something else altogether to be told you're pregnant with the Messiah. Yeah. (laughs) Miraculously. Can you imagine what was running through her mind? I cannot. I cannot imagine. Was it, what am I going to tell Joseph? <laughs> what am I going to tell my community? I like thinking about her and Elizabeth together, mm-hmm. sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. That, you know, something really miraculous is happening to both of them. Yeah. Probably they were both thankful for this time together to to ponder and, and think about what life was going to look like and why us, why now, why you know, and how great our God is. And I'm sure they were both thankful for that time mm-hmm. of community together. So. Yeah, because who could understand it any more closely than Elizabeth? Right. And there's been thousands of years that have gone by. If there's just been so much waiting for this moment. You know, even as we've gone through looking at the lives of all these, you know, women, so much of our Christian life is, is waiting for God to move yeah. and act. And we find Mary ready to receive after all this waiting, after all this time. And she's, you know, she's, she's a good example. I love how when she questioned, it was really a question of wanting to know instead of the rejecting or proud or cynical. I think of even when maybe we go through hard times, do we question in a way of, really wondering what God is doing or do we question in a way of being cynical as well? Right. And do we expect an answer from him? Right. She has a real request for real information, mm-hmm. Aaron said. And I'm like, yeah, and it's it's, it's okay to come to God with those questions. Right. And if she did start out as cynical, her heart was moved into the wanting to know and willing to be used as a vessel to bring 
the king into this world. Yeah. And this is coming out of a time, there's been 400 years of absolute silence, mm. you know, between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. <laughs> you know, in our Bibles, it's a one page turn, right. not realizing that that one page is 400, Lose some of the drama. Yeah, right. 400 <laughs> years. And then boom, an angel comes on the, I mean, we haven't heard from, not we, they haven't heard from prophets. They haven't heard anything for 400 years. And here we get an angel and yeah, she, she is ready to receive. It's, it's really, uh. A good example. I also didn't um, really put much thought to how how people viewed Jesus because of him as a son of this woman who supposedly got pregnant with by an angel, and this father who is supporting the mom. Mm-hmm. I never really put much thought into that scandal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how they lived their life in that promise for years and years. And I kind of put that to our lives today, how we we are living in the promise of what God has for us, but we have lots of friends who are believing the same thing. It's right. not like we are the only ones. Yeah. And still, with all of us knowing that our friends are believing the same way, we still have trouble taking a stand. Yeah, when Aaron points out when the, what is it, the Pharisees come to him and say, Where's your dad? You know, yeah. like who's your dad? Uh-huh. I didn't think of it like a no. dick, and it it, it yeah. actually was. I'm like, oh, burn. best retort ever, though. I know right. who your father is. The devil. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> it really is so <laughs> good. You're not gonna top that one. No, you're not. <laughs> it seems like people with a Catholic background kind of shy away from any you know talk of Mary. She points all of us to Christ. You know, mm-hmm. she worships him. And she points to him. She never glorifies herself or, mm-hmm. you know, there's no deification of her in that at all. So I got to say, even though I don't agree with a lot of other traditions that um, maybe not even deifying her, but really elevate her like in ways I'm not always comfortable yes. with. Like I can at least be sympathetic to the fact that a lot of that comes from this theological wrestling with like, wait, how can the savior be fully human, yeah. you know, and, and how people um, make sense of original sin and all of that. And in a way it just, it highlights like how miraculous this is, how mm. earth shattering it is. When you see her go, me, <laughs> you know, her reaction to me. <laughs> you know, like I was wondering, <laughs> what was she doing? <laughs> right. This, you know, chores or yeah. whatever it was. And, that's a really cool question to think about. What was she doing when the angel came to her? And why her? Kind of the same thing of why the Israelites. You know, God comes for the lowly. She's mm-hmm. poor. She's young. She's she's very lowly in state, you know. And that's the theme of the gospel. Yeah. You know, God comes for the lowly, for the poor, for the poor hearted and the poor in spirit. I really loved that connection he made between Mary and Noah mm. with that idea of favor mm-hmm. and grace. Yeah. I hadn't heard that or I don't remember it. I, it really stood out to me this time. I liked that a lot. Favor meaning grace. Yeah. Or he yeah. talks about how um, Noah had received the Lord's favor as well and just those connections and, mm-hmm. and kind of that remnant being preserved for the rescue of humanity. I like how he pulled in the rich young ruler story too. <laughs> yeah. That was really amazing. And it's like you're talking about we like our accolades, we like our riches, we, but. We have to become lowly. We yeah. have to become poured out and 
humble. I mean, God's grace reaches us anyways, in yeah. spite of our, our resistance. Self. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when um, he's, you know, with God, all things are possible. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but I liked how he highlighted the roles of rational thinking and honest doubting mm-hmm. and Mary's process of surrender. And then he, he also highlighted community. And it made me wonder, especially in regard to our gospel communities, are we cultivating spaces where rational thinking and honest doubting are not just accepted, but actually encouraged? Because I think that's a really important process for each of us in our discipleship and in surrendering further, being allowed to do both those things. Yeah. The part of the doubting is asking the questions. And I wonder if maybe we jump too um, quickly into that because we feel uncomfortable Mm. of the doubt. Yeah. No, you shouldn't doubt. It should be like this. I was just having a conversation today with a few people and we were talking about how different leadership styles can emerge, really different paradigms where you can have some, especially when scripture is involved or it's like, okay, here's the answer, you know, capital T-H-E, that's it. Um, Shutting down conversation or discussion as opposed to trying to lead maybe with more vulnerability, even if it highlights some of your lack of knowledge and that can be uncomfortable for a lot of leaders to have to um, display that kind of posture but I think it creates a space where people are allowed to grapple and that can be really beautiful because it's in those places like Mary sometimes you get real information real answers from God yeah and if we can't do it in community where else yeah where else yeah this that's the place to do it I love how as she comes from Elizabeth and then she goes into her praising of God through her song. And then she's ready to say, let it be me according to your word. And then she says, I am your servant. That is like a daily, a daily intentional surrender. You know, if, if we can give every day to God. Some days it's hourly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can we honestly say we view ourselves as servants? It's so easy to reverse that and think, okay, oh God, what can you give me? What can you do for me? Which isn't bad to ask God for, but right. are we humble when we're asking, willing to wait if we have to? Where are the places where we're tempted to say, I don't want to wait? And then ask ourselves, what if I did wait? I know we'll get to the Magnific- Magnificat in a little bit, Mary's song, but something that stood out to me reading that in um, verse 49, which says, holy is his name. And how she she understands his name in a completely different way now because the angel gave her his name and knowing who that is inside her is just so cool. She obviously has a knowledge of God, though. She's very, mm-hmm. she understands his covenants. She's been taught, you know, the scriptures and, who, you know, God. Yeah, she would have known the prophecy. Yeah. Probably never assumed it was her, though. Why? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I think looking back, we see all the prophecies and we saw them fulfilled and we're like, how did they miss it? But I don't, if you're in the midst of it, I don't think you see it. I think a lot of them, I mean, a few people, God gave, you know, discernment Mm -hmm. for for recognizing it, but through his spirit, but. I think it wasn't ready to be revealed. I mean, you even see Jesus' disciples, right? He talks about like the temple being destroyed and raised up again. They're all like, what? (laughs) What do you mean, Jesus? Well, we're going to do something a little different uh, this episode of the podcast again. Merry Christmas, right? Uh, We wanted to read uh, the Magnificat, Mary's Song of Praise. And this is Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. We hope those words and the story overall just encourages you in this season, remembering that God is with us. And may we all strive to surrender more deeply each day as we wait on the Lord and pursue growing in servanthood, not just to Jesus, but also in in adopting the posture of servants toward each other. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. So we've all got to sell all that we have and live in boxes. That's not what he's saying. It's like, this is the thing that the guy had fulfillment in his life from. And Jesus essentially says, if you had nothing but me, is that enough for you? And I think Mary comes to the place where she's like, okay, I'll do it. Even if Joseph leaves, like if he doesn't believe me, I will still follow through with this. What does it mean to surrender your your entire life? You, If you have nothing else but Christ, what does, what does that mean for you? Are you, is, is that, is Jesus enough? And you think about it in the large perspective, not just the moment of what's happening, but the larger perspective of if all you had was Christ. My flesh will say no. If you're not in an emotional moment, many times we say, yeah, okay, yeah, Jesus is enough. But we're in the middle of the emotional moment. We don't feel like he is. And so maybe what's the difference in the steps of the processes to move when someone's in the middle of that to really trusting that he is enough. I think it can be helpful to explore the points of resistance. If there really is this kind of impasse in your heart, what, what's um, preventing you from being able to let go of something, what's driving you to cling to that so tightly in the first place? Like what's the false security or hope that thing is giving you? I don't know. Have you ever run into anybody that has questions about, you know, the Christmas story, virgin birth? I mean, I've, I've talked to people who just thought it was fake. I don't know if they, they were questioning it like legitimately. Well, I think that we've made it so vanilla mm-hmm. that it it doesn't really connect, I think, like it would have in the original storytelling. And today, you know, we got the stories and there's donkeys and there's stars and wise men and all these things. And, and it just becomes... All the fun animals. Yeah. And, and it just becomes so vanilla to us that... The magnitude of the incarnation doesn't sit with us like it probably should. We take it for granted. Yeah. I mean, God took on human flesh, not not like a Norse god, like Thor or Odin or something like that, but in real humanity. All right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> So disjointed. <laughs> I got a 9 a.m. So you guys can keep going, but um, are we done? You guys keep going. Merry go. Christmas, everyone. <laughs> to every one of us. I guess that's it, right? Is it? I guess.